Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco to the show. Kevin, let's first of all talk. You and I were we're gonna we don't usually start with Iowa Wild, so we'll start with that this week. And uh, you and I were down in Iowa on Saturday to see the Wild play against Rockford, and uh, this club is it, going through a little bit of of transition because of moves that have been made at the big club and having to to fill some spots. Brought up Hunter Jones as Zane McIntyre moved up back at the NHL week, uh, team this week, but came away with a huge weekend sweep at Rockford, and uh, suddenly. Winning some games at home, having a little bit better feeling about these Wild at this time. No doubt about it. That was a huge uh, pair of wins they had over the weekend over the Rockford Icehawks. Granted, the Icehawks had a couple of their top scorers get called up to Chicago, so they were playing at a little less than full strength. But, you know, that hey, that's hockey. That's happened to Iowa how many times this year. But a thrilling overtime game win overtime went on Saturday night followed up by a victory on Sunday so it was a successful weekend at home and good crowds on Saturday night and Sunday afternoon well let's start they have a tough loss against Chicago to begin the week lose five to two on Tuesday night a game that you and I were talking about when we were recording the show last week but then nice rebound at home uh you get great goaltending out of Jester Jester Volstead who was fantastic in the contest it wasn't tested a lot, but made a couple of huge saves that were, seemed to be momentum-changing saves for the team. Then they went in overtime on a, on a beautiful setup for Marco Rossi out in front to Dakota Murmus, who buries a wrist shot to give the team a game winner. And the crowd was in. It's kind of a tense, it seemed like, Kevin. They were really not trying to, fi- trying to figure out what they were going to do during this game, it seemed like. But, boy, got to see an exciting contest for sure. It was a lot of a lot of action between the blue lines. It just didn't seem like um seemed like both teams were playing it close to the hilt, not looking to make a mistake and you know, as the game went on you just knew it was gonna be a a one goal game or a game that was gonna go to overtime and you know, Volstead other than like that one where he scrambled as a puck was rolling towards the goal line and he managed to keep it out of the net. He seemed positionally sound enough where there weren't many circus saves on his part. He's not a guy like a Mark Andre Fleury that goes out and takes chances and then has a lot of body movement to try to make a save. He just he seems very fundamentally sound and just um, seems to always be in the right spot to make the save. And his rebound control, for the most part, has been pretty good. Yeah, talking with him after the game, I, I, first of all, great guy, humble guy. I li- liked him a lot talking with him. And, and uh, hey, I mean, I was kind of funny listening to him because I was saying, you know, he had those two huge saves. The second one that you and I saw where uh, a, a pass to the, to the center of the net, Buddy Robinson tips it. Looks like he's got a goal out of that, but Volstead gets himself on the way to make a, a fantastic save on that. And that seemed to be a, a tide-turning save for him and I was talking to him about that he said man I'd love to have 30 35 saves like that every night <laughs> like what goaltender wants 35 shots on that but but he did so so but uh they got the, the next night though Kevin 34 shots they come away with a four to one victory uh nice way to sweep a team that you're chasing in the standings no doubt about it Rockford's had a very good uh, regular season and if uh Iowa wants to get into the thick of the race in the central division those are the those are the teams you need to be knocking off, especially on your own, your own ice. 
Marco Rossi with a goal and an assist on Saturday night. He comes away with an assist on Sunday. Six straight points, six straight games for him with at least one point. This is a guy who had his opportunity, and, and uh, talking with Coach after the, the contest on Saturday, he was mentioning that Marco is a great defensive player. They would like him to be more aggressive offensively, and, and that looks like he's finally coming into that and, and has looked very good for this team all of a sudden. I was bird-dogging him during the game on Saturday night, and it just seemed like there were, you know, teams that know about him, and it seems like he does get a lot of extra attention when he is out on the ice, and you could tell a couple times, you know, frustration was boiling over a bit with him. But I we saw in the first period on Saturday night, he let a really nice shot go on the power play to give Iowa a one nothing lead, and... You just hope that um, Minnesota doesn't need him for a while because I think it is best for him at this point to be playing quality minutes down at the AHL level and getting more acclimated to the game in uh, you know more of an NHL style of play. I'd also like to see him. It just seems like he's. It's tough for him to win a lot of the battles along the boards. I'd like to see him stronger on the puck in the corners, too. I don't know if that means putting on a little more muscle mass or what, but, yeah, that just seems to be an area where I'd just like to see a little bit of improvement on his part. Now, the team enters this week, Kevin, 15, 14, and 4. Um, they are in fifth place in the division, which would technically be a playoff spot right now with five teams making it into the playoffs right now, chasing Manitoba, three points behind them. They they have Hunter Jones who comes up, as we talked about. Zane McIntyre heads to the NHL. Jones comes back from the uh, Iowa Heartlanders. And uh, Kevin and I are trying to be as, as tactful about the situation as possible. But you and I were talking about at the game on Saturday night about I think one of the biggest challenges for Coach Tim Army and this Iowa Wild team is that if you lose a guy or two up to the NHL team, there's not a lot of help down at the ECHL to find right now to, from the Heartlanders to bring up to a guy to help out that club. And, and you know, if Marco Rossi isn't having a big game or, or uh, a guy like Sammy Walker, there's not a lot scoring right there because there's nothing really to bring up from somewhere else to help them, it looks like. No, there's not. And you just wonder if it becomes a situation where the big club, as it gets closer to trade deadline time, starts looking at making minor league deals where you're sending marginal players to other teams to fill roles and get, trying to get a guy in that's got some AHL experience that could fill a spot if um, guys get injured. You mentioned the goaltending situation. Um Zay McIntyre has been sent back to Iowa as Marc-Andre Fleury will be joining Minnesota Tuesday night for the beginning of their two-game New York road trip, and Philip Gustafson has recovered from the flu playing on Sunday night. So McIntyre is back with uh, Iowa Wild, and I'm sure Hunter Jones will be heading back to the, to the Iowa Heartlanders. Good information to keep us up to date on there. So Iowa this week, Kevin, three games uh, uh, consecutively, two in Grand Rapids. They will play over the weekend. Then they, uh, Grand Rapids comes to Iowa on Monday. So Wednesday in Grand Rapids, Friday in Grand Rapids. A team that is in last in this division, 
an opportunity that really this should be a chance to kind of make some headway, but they have not played well against teams that are beneath them in the standings and on the road. Um, what do you what do you expect out of this team this week? It's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough three game stretch. You know, you got a team with the uh, Grand Rapids Griffins that are hoping to get some traction. Um, they're very tough at Van Andel Arena, so I was gonna have to play a very good road game, try to get up alter some leads, and hope that the Volstead McIntyre combo will be able to keep the puck out of the net, and they can. At least get one win out of Van Andel, and then coming back to Iowa for a Martin Luther King Day game against the uh, Griffins. Got to imagine there's going to be some bad blood by the time these guys get done with their third consecutive game against each other. That usually is the case. I uh, get a lot, especially when you change venues, and a team might have had a a bad couple of days or something, and what is a little testy at that point. So that definitely can be the case. Well, let's jump down to the Iowa Heartlanders here, Kevin, who uh, start the week with uh, a, a tough loss in overtime to Indy on Wednesday, then get beat on, on Friday. Two late goals by Indy wind up cinching that victory for the fuel. Then come away with a big, very solid effort on, on Saturday, come away with a 3-1 victory. Corbin Kaspersky with 38 saves in there. Overall for the team, 1-1-1. One, one, and one. The top team in the division, you're, you're looking to you know show what you got, and I think they showed a lot of heart this week, not, no pun intended. It, you just draw your positives where you can right now, especially with, when they are struggling to try to move up the standings. And like you said, getting three out of six points against a top team in your division isn't that bad. I'm sure they were probably looking to try to get five out of six. But right now you take your, you take your victories where you can get them and – and just try to get better as a team, and hopefully at some point things are clicking and they can get on some kind of a run like they did last year to get back into the playoff chase. The Wednesday night game, uh, a shorthanded goal by Tyler Bush starts the contest for the club, uh, then a power play goal and an even strength by Alex Weidman ties the, or gives into the lead. Brendan Robbins scores late in the third period to support this game into overtime, but didn't last very long as Andrew Perot scores two minutes into the extra session to give Indy the victory. On Friday night, uh, a game that the Heartlanders jump out to a one nothing lead only to see Indy respond with three unanswered goals, two on the power play early in the second period. Very tough end of that first period, Kevin, is um, a couple of minor penalties by the Heartlanders in the final 45 seconds of the period. Then there's a huge couple of skirmishes that happen right before that. But it looked like Indy came out of that, that intermission really fired up. They got a five on three, which you're pretty fired up on and to start out with. But those fights really seem to, to bolster their, you know, moxie or whatever you want to call it at this point. And sometimes, Kevin, it it is those tough moments, those fights or those big checks or whatever that really can get a team fired up, and that looks like it was the case for Indy. It's been um, something I guess, you know, you and I have seen throughout our years of watching hockey, too, where it's the proverbial, well, let's start something up and try to get the guys fired up sort of thing, and it looks like that's what that's what happened with Indianapolis, and obviously uh, it got the job done. And you know when you're 
playing against a team like the Heartlanders right now whose psyche is a, a bit fragile, I think that's when they can get the Heartlanders back in their heels a little bit and uh, make a move. And it looks like that's what happened with the victory on Friday night. On Saturday, Cam Baker scores the first goal of the game, 339 into the contest. Then uh, Iowa battles back with three goals in the second, three unanswered tallies, two on the power play. Reese Molek scores 28 seconds into the period. Tyler Bush adds a goal just before the four-minute mark. Clayton Phillips in his second game of the season after uh, being brought out from Penn State winds up scoring his second goal in two games for the team. So he might be a guy to watch out here, Kevin. And you were talking a little bit about uh, the, you know, his his kind of uh, – lineage back there to Minnesota, but it looks like, you know, he, he could really be a, a benefit to this Iowa Heartlanders team. I believe he was playing with the Florida Everblades and they made a deal to pick him up. But like you said, he played the last couple of years in Penn State, started his collegiate career with Minnesota, where as a tough situation, he was brought in halfway through the season. He was going to play junior hockey the Minnesota was struggling to score goals, so they brought him in as someone that was supposed to spark the power play. And, you know, that was a lot of pressure on a freshman to come in and be, you know, per se, a savior of the power play. And it just never really seemed like Phillips got his legs under him with Minnesota, but transferred to Penn State, played well enough to keep on playing pros with uh, in the ECHL, and it's Good to see him with the Heartlanders, and I, I think you're going to see you're going to see him be an offensive presence from the blue line. That you know, I think this team probably needs at this point. After playing three games at home against the Fuel last week, they they traveled to Indy on Wednesday, then two games in Kansas City, a place where they were swept for four games around the New Year's holiday. Um, you know, th- this is a. a Two teams, uh, Indy is obviously going to be very difficult to play. The team has just been rolling 7-3 in their last 10 contests, leading the Central Division out there. Kansas City is a team that is beatable. Um, they, they could get some victories out there, but have not had any hope, have not had any success down there. So what, what do you put your hopes on? What, what are you looking to accomplish this week, Kevin? I think you look at what you did this week at home, at least try to get three out of six points. It's uh that's a tough road trip going out to Indianapolis and then backtracking all the way over to Kansas City, almost near the, you know, almost near the Kansas City Kansas border. That's um, a lot of miles on the road, so I'm not going to give a lot of points to the schedule makers on that one. I think that's going to be a little bit of a tough one for the Heartlanders. You hope that they have some time to time to get rid of their bus legs before having to play against the Mavericks in down in Kansas City. Well, let's jump to the big club, Kevin, uh, talk about the Minnesota Wild for this week. So 1-1-1, one, one, and one, uh, win 5-1 to one on Wednesday against a very good Tampa Bay Lightning team, then lose in a, a crazy contest on Saturday in overtime in Buffalo 6-5 to five, before being shut out by St. Louis on Sunday at home. Uh, we were talking about the last opportunity to make some headway here at home is they're going to be five of the next seven games, or six of the next eight games, excuse me, out on the road. Um, so what were your overall thoughts by the club this week? I thought Wednesday was uh, just one of their best all-around games. And so you beat a Tampa Bay team that was on a second night of a uh, back-to-back and having to play 
Brian Elliott two nights in a row due to uh, illness to Andre Vasilevsky. But I thought Minnesota played as about as well as you could ask for and getting a win on Wednesday night. Saturday, I had just I had a bad vibe about that as far as Minnesota went. I Buffalo is such a high powered team, and they're playing very well right now. And I just think Minnesota, as good as they are defensively, they just don't have the firepower right now to match up. With a team like Buffalo, I am really surprised that they even got it to overtime. But they managed to at least um, get through regulation tie before before Buffalo put it away in the extra session. Uh, sounds like, um, from what I read, Mark Andre Fleury really took the the loss badly. There was it sounded like the tying goal was one that he should have had. But now we find out after reading that that there is a uh, family matter going on with him that's been affecting him since New Year's Eve and he left the team after the game on Saturday night to go back to Montreal but he'll be rejoining the team in New York for the two games against the Islanders and Rangers this week. So that left um, Zay McIntyre up to back up um, Philip Gustafson that got better. He left the game early on Wednesday to, because he was sick and managed to recover just in time to start the game on Sunday. But um, game Sunday night, you know, it was two teams that played in a different time zone the night before, and you could just tell the energy wasn't there, and um, Blues managed to get a power play goal to take the lead and then convert a two-on-one in the third period, and Minnesota pressed hard to try to get back into it, but Thomas Grice was very good against the Wild, which I swear, I'd love to, to check this out. I, it never seems like the Wild do very good against Thomas Grice. Grice is an average goaltender in this league, but for some reason it just always seems like he plays Minnesota really well, and he did in St. Louis leaving St. Paul with a 3 nothing victory on Sunday night. Uh, they had 35 shots against him. I mean, they were they were getting their opportunities. He just was and like 20 some, 23 of the 20 something were in the third period alone. Because you could tell St. Louis kind of went into a safe um, protect mode, and Minnesota had a ton of shots on going. They just nothing was going in. So to uh, piggyback off what you were talking about, seven. 3-0 and in his career against Minnesota with a 2.23 goals against average, won five of his last six decisions against them. So you called that one right. So he is he's not. So the, he gave up six. So to give you, in those six games, he's given up, what, 3, 9, 10, six, 16 goals, and six of them came in one contest. So wow. he gave up 10 goals in the other five games. That's pretty impressive. Well, that's uh, that's pretty impressive that little... you got a. That's impressive that you got a whole little stats right away like that. I'm <laughs> amazed. Thank you. Place called StatMuse.com. So that, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look like I'm I, I know what I'm doing. So I just know the site, Kevin. That's <laughs> I don't deserve that much credit. Uh, let's talk a little well, bit about you, that. At least you're doing enough prep work for this store to show to actually have a computer in front of you. I just have my phone. My phone and what's left of my memory. Well, that was a pretty good memory because you were calling that one right. 
5-1 victory over Tampa Bay on, on Wednesday night, as you mentioned. Uh, great performance by Gustafson, who comes in in relief and stops 34 of 35 shots. And, and let's talk a little bit about Flurry's situation, Kevin. And it doesn't matter what the situation is, but I think sometimes you hear things like, well, the, the, the field or the ice surface or whatever is the sanctuary from the outside world. You know, sometimes that's just not realistic. When, when stuff's going on, uh, in, in your real life, that, that carries over onto the ice at times, and it's understandable that a player may have a bad game like he did on Saturday. Well, and you know, only he felt like he had a bad game. For a lot of people watching the game, other than the t- game tying goal, the the other goals were coming from defensive breakdowns, and you know, it sounded like the team was trying to console him, but he just. He's having none of it. You know, a guy that's had a Hall of Fame career, he's still going to be his own toughest critic. And, you know, and it, you know, it's any line of work, too, where if you got something going on at home or something with your family or just anything going on, sometimes it's hard to what they, do what they call leave it at the time clock. Sometimes it's just human nature. You just can't do it. But within that, you know, he had a – this was going on – around New Year's Eve when he had a really good game against the St. Louis Blues, beating them down in St. Louis, too. So, But it seems like um, things just kind of came to a head on Saturday night, and he just needed the time off. Good for the Minnesota organization to recognize that, and everything just kind of happened to work out with Gustafson getting better, and they had Zane McIntyre around to back him up. On Saturday night, Buffalo took a one nothing lead in the first period. Minnesota battles back with two goals behind Brandon Duhame, former Iowa Wild player, and Kaprizov, who scored his third goal in two contests. That gave them a 2-1 to lead, but Buffalo battles back with three unanswered goals, two on the power play. Minnesota responds with two goal, or three, goal, three straight goals, including one on the power play to take a one-goal lead. But as Kevin said, uh, Rasmus Deline, as we say, Deline, uh, scores the tying goal Oops. at 17:36, and Victor Olofsson with the game winner, 4:41 overtime. I mean, I was you and I were sort of watching this game. I know you were more more actively watching it while we were at the Iowa Wild game, and it seemed like every time you were on your, you looked back at your phone to see what was going on. Somebody was scoring a goal in that contest. No doubt about it, that Buffalo team, and just because of all the years that they've been so bad, they've accumulated a lot of good players through trades and through the draft. And I got a feeling that, you know, they're they're not too far from being a playoff contender. I thought maybe it was going to be this year. Maybe it still is. They've been hot lately. But there is definitely some talent on that club. And, I mean, Tage Thompson's becoming one of the best players in the league. I thought I saw it a couple of years ago when he played against Minnesota. He was one guy that really stood out to me. But and Rasmus Delene has turned into a star in front of our eyes. So Alex Tuck, uh, the one that got away from Minnesota, where they made a bad move and letting Las Vegas get him in the expansion draft. He's been a nice cog in that um, in that Sabres lineup. So and I can't forget about the Minnesota kid, Casey Middlestead, who I believe had like three or four assists on Saturday night also. So I'm telling you, and I hope the people in Buffalo, I know the attendance has been shaky out there. I hope people are recognize how good of a team this young Sabres team is, and they start rallying around the club a bit because, like I said, I think this is the team that could make a little bit of noise if they get into the playoffs. 
Minnesota enters the week 22, 14, and 3, 47 points in third place in the Central Division, six points behind Winnipeg, four points ahead of both Colorado and St. Louis. Um, they will be heading to the road, and, and that's going to be our final thought, Kevin, we're going to come up with in a minute. You're going to give us a great something Minnesota wild road story or something here. But the team going out on the road here, heading to the New York Rangers on Tuesday, then the New York Islanders on Thursday before coming back to take on Arizona. Man, these are three. Arizona is not a pushover at times, and this is this could be a very tough week for the club. I think so. I think they want to try to make a statement in New York on Tuesday night against the Rangers as they did not give the Rangers a very good game on opening night. So I'm sure Minnesota will be looking for revenge. Um, sounds like Matt Zuccarello will be back in the lineup for the Wild for that game. And Ryan Reeves will be the first time he'll play against the Rangers since the the Wild were acquired Reeves off of waivers from the Rangers. So it'll be interesting to see how how that works out with Reeves playing against his old team. Then they go to New York and see their old buddy and Zach Parisi and a few other Minnesota connections on that Islanders team with Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, and others. And and then they come back home and play against the Coyotes team that they had a relatively easy time with on Thanksgiving weekend. So I'm sure the Coyotes are looking for revenge there. So it's the NHL, you know, you never – you, you don't get many free passes. So, I mean, once again, this is going to be a tough week for this wild club. But what I like is that this team does not seem to be too much, phased that much by playing on the road. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of an effort we get from the club. And I just wonder, too, with, um, you know, Jordan Greenway had an illness, apparently. They were not really giving me details on it. Gustafson had the flu. You just kind of wonder what the health of this team is right now, too, with um, with a possible flu bug going around. We well, got to figure that Arizona game. That the team absolutely has to look at that as a must win. Uh, Arizona hasn't won it on the road since November twenty third, when they beat Carolina for nothing. Lost every game, including a couple of those were in overtime in December, but still went what three six. Oh seven and one in December on the road. Dropped all three games on the road so far here in January. Um, this is a team that that can be very good, but that but the road has not been good to them at all. And so you got to feel like you're kind of catching Arizona at the right time if you're looking to get a victory in that game. No, but like we always say, they have uniforms too. They get <laughs> yeah. paid. They're professionals. And uh, yes, they it was the same scenario last um, spring where. Arizona was struggling mightily, and then they came into St. Paul, and they put a real hurting on the Wild. So in this league, you, you just can't um, you can't expect to just to show up and get two points. So, Kevin, I, I gave you a little teaser on that. So heading out here for the uh, final thought here from Kevin, uh, a, a, a big road time here for the Minnesota Wild heading out five of the next – six of the next seven games, I'm sorry, out on the road here for this club. Do we have a good Minnesota Wild road story that jumps out at you while you're thinking about it? Uh, are you thinking of well, what are you thinking of? Um, about yeah, I, I'm going to throw that. Road. I'm going to throw whatever you want to go. However you want to go with that. Uh, well, you know what? I'm I'm going to take that. I'm going to trash it. And I'm going to go in a different direction here. <laughs> Sounds good. I want to talk, talk about fans. 
I really don't get, because this is something I saw in St. Paul last night. There were a pretty good smattering of St. Louis Blues fans at the game. And uh, this guy who I would say was probably a bit overserved spent the first two periods swearing and hurling all kinds of insults at these Blues fans. And finally, as I was heading up to the concourse after the second period, there was a man in a suit talking to this gentleman. And as I headed up to the concourse, there was a battalion of um, six other people that were waiting to greet this guy at the top of the section. And uh, safe to say they weren't back for the third period. But, you know, those blue fans are going to go back to St. Louis and just talk about Boy, those people in Minnesota are jerks. Because you always remember the ones that are the ones that, the ones that are the jerks are the ones you always remember. You won't remember the thousands upon thousands that don't even flinch at the fact you're wearing an opposing team's jersey in their arena. But I just hope those blue fans still had a positive experience from the game and Hopefully this um, blowhard will not be going back to a wild game anytime soon. And, you know, as someone like myself that I've done road trips to and I've never have had a bad experience yet, I know I've talked to wild fans that have had bad experiences on the road, and I just don't get it. I Like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld said one time in sports, a bunch of grown-ups arguing over laundry. <laughs> You know, in the end, we're all hockey fans. We all want to go and be entertained. Why do some fans feel so consumed to waste their energy on yelling at opposing teams' fans as opposed to just supporting your own team and enjoy the game? I think that's a very good point. And, it, and it's, uh, you know, I, it's one thing if you're kind of having playful, fun banter uh, between the two of you, but... Um, when you're just relentlessly hurling insults and foul language at somebody just because they're there to cheer for their team, how, how about having uh, some appreciation for fans that were so passionate about their club that they drove a long way from St. Louis? I mean, maybe they did. Maybe they were from Minnesota right now, but, but maybe they drove all the way from St. Louis to go see the team play. How about patting that on the back a little bit there? So um, stay sober a little bit and enjoy the game that way is what I would say. Yeah, that's another thing, too. This guy was that drunk on a Sunday at 6 p.m. I thought, does this, where does this guy work that he's going to get that drunk on a Sunday afternoon and then go to work on Monday? I don't know, maybe he's unemployed. Maybe he's got some kind of weird job where he don't work on Mondays, whatever. But I just thought, wow, I can maybe see somebody have that kind of behavior on a Saturday night game where you've got all day to get tuned up. But on Sunday, generally the crowds on Sundays are more of a family atmosphere. So I was just really surprised to just see someone that drunk and that rude at a game like that. You know, I went to a wild game in Chicago on Halloween weekend on a Sunday night, and I got treated great down there. I love I love the Chicago fans. It's, it's a lot different from the horror stories that um, we heard from the North Star days where and we we would see you know on TV where there's fights in the crowds all the time. We, that's just that, that's gone away. I, I 
I thought the people down there are excellent. Yeah, for real. And it's good to see that. Glad fans are being welcoming. Because, you know, you, you and I cover a lot of minor league baseball stuff and, and go do minor league hockey, and we, we travel around. We never have issues with those kind of things, and that's always good. It's good to see fans that can appreciate somebody coming from out of town to, to catch a game or whatever and, and uh, um, you know, being welcoming, as a matter of fact. I think, you know, you and I have been visiting fans at, at, when we started out in baseball together, uh, and we were we were visitors at that point, but they were always welcoming to us. And, and sometimes it's just best to say, hey, like, we all like like hockey. We may be voting for the uh, different teams, but we love our sport. That's really what it's supposed to be about. The only complaint I got from a Chicago fan was, and he was right, he goes, you know, I've always been mean to come to Minnesota, but the ticket prices up there are so high. I'm, I told him, I said, hey, I'm a season ticket holder. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Kevin Luco, thanks for joining me this week. My pleasure, Rob.